0: You just saying, Jesus, no other name, only Jesus, no other name. So just, just take a second. I, I know it might be a moment of awkward silence, but just take a second and think about what you're saying. Think about it. When you say no other name, only Jesus. What does that say about him? He he has no rival. He has no peer. There is no equal. All value, all worth in him. Purpose, meaning for your life. Your very life. All of it in him Jesus no other name only Jesus and that's a powerful thought and so we've kind of been walking through that this Advent we have uh... really wrestled through John chapter one a little bit and pulled out some big truths these are major theological truths so we've kind of hopped around and just summarized them as we look ahead to Christmas and we look further to the second coming of the King of Kings, and we've realized that Jesus is the Christ, He is the Word, He is fully God, and this week, He is fully man. I remember one time Lena was, I don't know, maybe five, six years old, she goes, Dad, I got a question. Like, like I, don't, I, I get like Jesus is God, and you know, He's man, but I've been thinking about that. Like, how does that work? I mean, like really, like God can like do anything and like there's a lot of things we can't do. So how does that work? And uh, I, I just told her to call Pastor Mike and ask him and that's where we went. No, th- that idea of how the God-man exists, fully God, fully man let's just be real for a moment. We pursue that. We want to understand that more deeply, and we should. It is who he is. But also, we must recognize that who he is is beyond us. We pursue it. We long for his revelation. We long to have a better understanding of who he is and who he's called us to be. But we also understand our limitations. And so, In a morning like this, we're not going to just be able to answer that question in its entirety. And so what I want to do is I want to focus on a specific aspect of what it means that Jesus is fully man. But in our FTP this week, you're going to get some really good big ideas that are going to help unpack that in conversations in your home. See, Jesus was born. He was born just like you and I. He, He was like us. He lived among us. He was rejected by us. And he suffered and he died in our place. John chapter 1 verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. and true. Today we're going to focus on one specific aspect and it's an aspect of Jesus's humanity and I'm going to own it that's really small. It's probably not the uh, thing you would jump to first. It's probably not a thought that really is, um, again, one that immediately captures your attention when you think about Jesus's humanity. But it's one that's important, and it's one that we discuss a lot this time of year. His name. The fact that he has a name, and a name of a man. You say, well, what does that have to do with Jesus' humanity? Well, I I hope to kind of put that in your thoughts a little bit, that you can leave and let that stir around as you come through Christmas. It's significant. The God-man, God, the Son took the name of a man. Let me say it another way so you'll catch the idea. Just as God took on flesh, he took on a name. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, I grew up in a Christian culture and I would hear things like, man, there is power in the name of Jesus. And everybody says amen and we get all excited. And that's true, right? But lots of times in our culture we like the tweets better than really the understanding. And so I was probably a teenager and I just thought I could walk around and just yell, Jesus! And like, boom, power. Power. It never even dawned on me that, by the way, none of his disciples would have actually pronounced Jesus. That didn't hit me. Like, I, I didn't even understand what I was necessarily doing. It was just a really good statement that had some partial truth, and so that's what I knew. There is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus. No other name only Jesus but it's important for us to understand what that means and I think as we approach Christmas and we begin to think about this this can be a really really powerful thought and meditation as you go through the week so I want to take some time and I want to unpack it I want to unpack this idea that God took a name the name of a man the name of Jesus and so names are common for us We know that. I mean, mean, from the beginning, God names Adam, man, right? And we've had names ever since. You have a name, I have a name, and anything that we get, we, we name. We name silly things. But Christmas came early in my house this week. So this week, we got a new puppy. Check out our new puppy. I know, right? Puppies are so cute. This puppy was named. Months before it was born, months, Lena had the name picked out. She didn't even know she was getting it. It's just like whenever we get another dog, this is what I'm going to name it. This is Raven. Now, this weird thing about Raven, by the way, Raven's like not black at all. Like a ra- I don't know. It doesn't fly, but it's Raven. So here's the weird thing about our family. We have this weird rule that all of our pets have to have animal names. So we've had a dog named Cat. We've had a dog named Llama. We have a dog named Badger and now we have a dog named Raven. Now, I wanted to go with Hyena or Goose and I got voted down, all right, it just wasn't going to happen. But I have got Amy to agree, the next dog, probably decades from now, if we make it that long, right, Goose, I've at least got a dog Goose, it's going to be decades, I've already got a name picked out. Names are pretty common to us, they are, I mean, they're, they're familiar to us, so what's in a name? Now, as a society we've probably adopted, you know, Juliet's understanding of a name. Now, I know most of you think you know anything about Romeo and Juliet, not much, but I do remember this part. Do you remember when Juliet is talking and she says back to Romeo, "It's only your name that's the enemy. You are what you are, even though you may be a Montague." What's a Montague? It isn't hand or foot or arm or face or any other part belonging to a man. Oh, I wish you had a different name. What is so special about a name anyway? A rose, even if it were called something else, would smell just as sweet. See, we've kind of adopted that idea of a name. It's just a title. It's not really you, doesn't make up anything about you. It's just a way we identify you. But it's not it's not like it's your arm it's just it's just a title and so because of that when we read throughout the pages of scripture emphasis and emphasis given to name I think we just kinda gloss over it a little bit and I wanna pull your attention so we're gonna take a long time to build some context and then we're gonna jump back into the Christmas story so when we think about names, you've got to realize names are important in the Bible. They're important because they're used to reveal who God is and who he's called us to be. See, your name matters. Your name, my name, it, it matters. Now, not the syllables, not the pronunciation of your name, but the revelation it holds. It's reputation how it describes you. See, in this way our names matter. They frame a limited description of us. It's limited because as humans we're limited. And so our names fall short. It, there's limited knowledge and even now twisted up in our sin, watch we cannot name something so complete that at the moment of hearing that word, that name All understanding of that being can be comprehended. And even if someone could do that, if God did that for us, we couldn't comprehend the fullness of that being. And so our names fall short. They're they're partial. I mean, think about this. How many times have you been misunderstood and it drives you crazy? Drives you crazy. And you want to explain it. You want to make sure they understand all of it. It's really hard to do. And so our names, they're limited descriptions of who we are, of our reputation, of how we're known. But yet, our name still holds a description of us to a certain measure. And that's important. Because we bear the image of the creator. We are image bearers. We represent him. And so our name represents him. As Jesus followers, we know this is even more so true. We are his ambassadors. We are his representatives to the world with the good news of the gospel. And so our name bears witness of our King Jesus. See, our name says something about who we are and who God is. Because you do not have an accurate understanding of who you are apart from who God is. See, you are the creation and he is the creator. And so, in who we are, we bear image to who he is. And so our life is worship. Our life is a testimony. And any description or representation of that is so significant. And so Proverbs 22, 1 simply says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Think about this. Would you change your name? Let's say you have a good, outstanding name. Would you change your name for $10 million dollars? Take on like, you know, a name that just has a bad reputation. Listen, y'all can be spiritual if you want. I've already signed it. Like it would have happened the moment I had the chance. And the reason I think through that is because, again, I'm just like, oh, I'll just change it. I mean, I'll, I'll just, I, I, you know, I'll just, I, I'll live it out. It's just part of it. It's not really who I am anyway. It's not my arm or my leg. It's it, it's, it's not that important. I could do way more with $10 million. And yet, the wisdom of Proverbs says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Remember, we're not talking about the pronunciation. We're talking about the revelation, the representation, your reputation in that. A frame, a title of your identity That's what we're talking about. And so in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we see God call key servants and change their name. He does this with Abram to Abraham in Genesis 17. He says, no longer shall you be called Abram, but you shall, or your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So there's this connection to Father Abraham. Jacob, he changes his name to Israel in Genesis 32, verse 28. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. In our New Testament, next year we're going to study Peter, but that wasn't his name. His name was Simon. And Jesus said, no, from now on you're Cephas or Peter. It just means rock." I mean, I don't know how many times we can do the, like, rock wrestling reference over the next year. Can you smile with the, you, know, you some of you know what I'm talking about. Smile a little bit. See, look, you didn't think I'd do it. I went for it. I went for it. No, really. He just changed his name to Rock. It matters, right? I mean, if it doesn't matter, why is Jesus doing it? It's happening right in front of us. And so we're seeing that our names matter. Because they frame a revelation of our identity that is directly connected to our image-bearing reputation. And so if our name matters, man, the name of God matters. I want to give you a few ways. First, the name of God is significant. Psalm 8:9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Majestic means great, excellent, substantial, significant, significant. You can go through verse after verse and read the significance of the name of God. Why is it significant? Because it is revealing. Again, so many places I could show you this in scripture, but I wanted you to go back to kind of the beginning of God making himself known I want you to see the moment in which Moses wants to box in God and identify his name. Exodus chapter 3, you remember the burning bush moment. Beginning in verse 13, then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I want you to catch something. Before you come out of this and before you go in your mind all the way into Yahweh and all the way into our identification of the term that we put together around this moment, I want you to make sure you get something. God's response is, I am who I am. Moses, you can't categorize me in a name. You can't frame me in. You cannot box me in to a name. I am who I am. A name's not going to help you in that way. You're not going to be able to completely frame an all-knowing, all-powerful God. I am the creator. I am who I am. By the way, just a neat parallel. Sometimes you hear that moment, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. That's not true at all. Just study the scriptures he does repeatedly one of the more powerful testimonies of this is in john chapter 8 jesus is questioned by the pharisees and in verse 53 they say who do you make yourself out to be who do you think you are and jesus responds in verse 58 i am i am before abraham was i am And if you don't think they knew what he meant, they immediately picked up rocks to stone him. He didn't just say, Jesus. He didn't just say, well, you know Joseph and Mary. No, no, listen. He said, I am. He took the title of God for himself. The identity of an all-powerful, supreme being. Before Abraham was, I am. And the Pharisees, they reacted so strongly because God's word is clear. His name is worthy of honor. God's name is worthy of honor. Psalm 148, verse 13, Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Jesus, even when he calls us to pray and teaches us to pray, he says, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Name. See, God's name and his name alone is worthy of honor. Scripture throughout calls us to give honor to his name. You know, God himself, acts for his namesake? For the honor of his own name? Again, throughout the pages of scripture, if you remember the exodus, the conquest, think of God's people, Israel, they are enslaved. Life is hard. God saves them. And he speaks to this, he speaks to the exodus, he speaks to the conquest. And in Ezekiel 20, verse 9, God says, I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived, in whose sight I made myself known to them, in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. In verse 14, but I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight had brought them out. This is a hard point, but this is also so true in scripture. Our salvation is for his namesake. The, the psalmist in Psalm 25 11 says, for your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt for it is great. Psalm 79 9, Help us, O God, of our salvation. For the glory of your name, deliver us and atone for our sins, for your name's sake. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, John, who writes the gospel that we've been studying as we go through Advent here in chapter 1, John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, I am writing to you, little children, Because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. God acts for his name's sake. We're commanded to honor his name. It is worthy. We're commanded not to take his name in vain. Exodus 20 verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And we're not talking, by the way, real quick, not a cuss word. Sure, that can be a cuss word, but so much more. We're talking about the misrepresentation of the identity of who God is. The church does this so much more than the lost world. Every time you want to weight something and you just throw God's name in on top of it, Every time you throw out the, God led me to, and that's just you and your bad pizza. The name of God is worthy of honor and praise. God himself acts for his namesake. And he calls us to act and to live for his namesake. See, now you're beginning to see it from multiple angles. Hopefully you're meditating. Hopefully there's enough breadcrumbs there that you're beginning to kind of pick up a trail and put thoughts together, and the Spirit is working in you. Why? Because there is power in the name of Jesus. Not the pronunciation, the revelation, the Word who took on flesh and took a name. And so when Gabriel proclaims to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, don't let it just quickly wash over you, but hear it again anew. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And so Paul in Philippians 2:9, therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above everything so that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. To the glory of God the Father. That's Christmas. The word that took on flesh and took a name as he revealed himself. Is God the Creator? Took on the name for His creation. What makes the name of Jesus reign above every other name? Not the syllables, not the language, the revelation. The revelation. His identity, the God man, the savior sets apart the name. It reveals who he is. Jesus is the Christ. He is the word. He is fully God and fully man. Jesus is the name above every other name. Because Jesus frames the God man. God in human flesh, God in human name. You can say Jesus, you can shout Jesus, you can Pray to Jesus. You can even ask Jesus to save you. But if the name you speak doesn't reveal the true God-man, there is no power. Your Christmas is a fraud. Consider the other side. Matthew 7, verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, to Jesus, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Make many, or do many mighty works in your name. They pronounced the name. They they claimed power in the name. But they did not identify the name with the God-man. They didn't know him. And so Jesus responds back, I never knew you. John chapter 5, verse 42, Jesus says, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, in his identity, in his revelation, his authority, and you do not receive me. See, Jesus says, I have come as the revelation of God the revelation of the father and if you do not receive me then you do not receive him Psalm 148 13 let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted his majesty is above earth and heaven Peter filled with the Holy Spirit And Acts 4 says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so we hope, this Christmas we hope in a name that is above every other name, Matthew Twelve twenty one. in his name, in the name of Jesus, the Gentiles, you and I, we hope, because there is no other name unto salvation. There is no other revelation of God. There is no other God in flesh. Consider Paul for just a minute. Paul suffers for the sake of Jesus' name. Acts chapter 9, verse 16, God says, For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Acts 15, 25, 26, starts there at the end of 25. Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives, for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why risk? Why suffer? Because they understood something in saving faith. Radical, life-changing spirit-wrought faith. Only Jesus. No other name. And so in Romans ten thirteen, Paul says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why? Because what we read in John chapter 1, verse 12, all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Because God took flesh and a name this Christmas. Listen. Behold, Jesus, the God-man, the creator, lowered himself to the creation, fully God, fully man. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. So here's your application this week. Go make much of Jesus. Speak his name. It should be convicting to us how rare we say his name. How rare praises to him flow from our lips how rare his name comes up at our dinner tables in the conversations with our kids and our spouses. Go make much of Jesus. No other name, only Jesus. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God, the Father, through him. As the team comes up, we're gonna pray, and I'm gonna ask you not to just listen to me pray, but again, I'm going to ask you, go before the Father, ask him to convict you, to give you opportunity this week and to send you out to celebrate the birth of your Savior by making much of the name of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, praise be to you, my God. You have revealed yourself and made yourself known. Praise be to you. You have come to save us. Praise be to you. You are the hope and the life that is among us. Praise be to you, my God. Father, stir us up to go about this week and make much of the name of Jesus. The name that is above all names. The name of our savior, Emmanuel. And it's in his name and no other name that we pray. Jesus. Amen. Church.